Hey everyone, welcome to The Theory Behind It, a music theory podcast covering music theory pedagogy, philosophies, and social aspects. Livy, Seth, and Adam met during our graduate degrees, and we became really good friends. Our studies focused on music theory, music education, voice, wind instruments, and piano, which gives us a diverse perspective. During this fall semester, the podcast is going to produce a few episodes, including interviews, topic discussions, and conference reviews. On to session two. The theory behind it meets Carla Salas Ruiz. Thanks for stopping by the podcast, guys. Today, we've got Carla Salas with us. Carla, how are things? this and Lizzie and Adam. Nice to meet you. Very happy to be here. Um, so Carla, um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into some of what you did to get where you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. So my name is Carla, as I said, told you, and I right now, I am in the third year, recently PhD candidate from Louisiana State. Congrats. You have no idea how hard that was for me, but I am very proud of it. So I announced it every time I came. I came. I hope oh, I can. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I am in the third year right now, uh, preparing for uh, starting the dissertation mm. next year, that process of research. So right now I am in this moment in which, you know, like this huge amount of stress just passed. So I am enjoying that I am right now busy, but nicely busy. Mm-hmm. So enjoying my last research class, which is a qualitative class, teaching a lot group piano at Louisiana State University, private lessons, group piano, and enjoying the ride and enjoying that we have a little bit of less restrictions with COVID. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much what I am uh, doing. And, and then, well, I am from Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and your... Um... Is it a PhD or a DMA? It's a PhD. It is a PhD. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was quite something for me. I was between, okay, so did you want a PhD, DMA? But the PhD was the right call for me. I am just a thinker. Hmm. I love the philosophy and understand the reasons on what, how, how do we know, for example, it's a PhD in music education. So I... I really want to know, okay, music education, what is the philosophy of music education? Who are these people that are uh, reasoning? Um, mm-hmm. And the DNA for me, it was more as a matter of practicing and uh, honing my technique, my piano technique. But the wonderful thing about this program, at least in LSU, is that it, it, is, it has a lot of flexibility. So I can take lessons, and I am currently taking lessons with Dr. Deloney, I am taking my music classes, my research classes. So, you know, I can actually move as much as I want in different directions. So I can work as a performer, as a researcher, and as a teacher, which I really love to have those three component areas. So, so you know, that, that kind of this program is very special about Louisiana State. So I am not advertising LSU, but if you are hearing and you're thinking in grad school, you should come to Louisiana State University. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's a PhD, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah, so I am from Costa Rica, uh, this beautiful small country, so Central American uh, country. 
And well, I came to LSU because um, my emphasis is in piano pedagogy. And here we have a fantastic person in the piano pedagogy program, Dr. Pamela Pike. And I really, I definitely wanted to learn uh, from her. So that was my top option. And also the flexibility that I am talking about the curriculum and the facilities also that Louisiana State gives you as an international student that, you know, facing, already being in a foreign country, it's very hard, you know, in a different language. My uh, language is Spanish. So right now I'm just letting my tongue go. Um, <laughs> but being in a different, being in a different country, it has a lot of challenges. And this, this particular environment with teachers and with friends mm -hmm. and people uh, surround you, they are very, very, they, they comprehend where you come and they need you you know, halfway. Mm -hmm. They, you, What you have to say is show your interest and show your energy, and they made you half, halfway and really help you. So, well, yeah, and I am you, a piano pedagogy nerd. <laughs> and you did um, your master's at LSU. Yes, I did my master's here in LSU, So, but that was from the 13th to the 15th. And I then I went back to Costa Rica with no job, I was kind of scared and concerned, <laughs> but then um, this opportunity, as any opportunity, just come out, and I start as a, we can say that like like as a lecturer in the University of Costa Rica, and then I just enjoy all the duties and all the things about that job, and I was like, okay, academic life, it will be, this is my future. Mm -hmm. um, so I start to work very hard to show the amount of skills that I can have <laughs> uh, and so, so yeah that, that was a lot so so then I figured oh, okay I started to like kind of look for opportunities to then uh, keep with my studies and that's when I found that I needed to come back and do my doctorate studies I was like okay if I am going to be teaching here I need to know more because there are things that I don't know. And I, if I am going to be here and I want my students to trust me on what they are, what, what I am saying and how I am going to like teach them, mm -hmm. I really have to uh, like really level up mm -hmm. my academic study. So that's when four years later, meaning two years ago, I came here with a wonderful, very privileged scholarship. Uh, from the University of Costa Rica, so right now I'm kind of of a teacher on leave. That's what mm. what right now. So I don't gotcha. have to worry about interviews and about going back to Costa Rica with nothing. I found myself very privileged because of that. Mm. That's um, awesome. Yeah, so I can wow. really focus on practicing and studying and well, doing my best as much as well. All of us do our best. Yeah. So so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much my journey. So go going back to Costa Rica, what was growing up like? When did you kind of find that you were interested in music? What drew you to music or piano specifically? What was that like? Absolutely. So that that was a great question. And the thing is that when I was uh, very little. I would say it's funny because everyone always say like when I was four years old, but it's funny because I feel like kind of you remember when you're four, that's it. So I remember that I received a gift. So it was this red small piano. I don't even know what size was it, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very red, and I don't know. I just, I just was like, oh, what is this? So with one finger, I started to, you know, <laughs> like press the keys and just play. And one of my little friends, she, one of her friends, that was not my friend, she taught her a uh, happy birthday. And then uh, I encountered her playing, you know, and then I was like, wow, that's so awesome. I want to learn that. So she taught me, <laughs> she taught me. And then I was like, wait, this is very cool. So I start to ask my, my dad and my mom, mom, I want lessons. I want lessons. I want lessons. So, but that I was like four or five, I don't know. And then my mom was like, yeah, 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 whatever, you know, like, but then my mom says that I was being so annoying with this story <laughs> about wanting lessons that she was surprised. She was like, but why, why she cannot forget about this, you know, um, <laughs> why, she, why this is not like kind of like a face, you know, <laughs> but it wasn't. So, so the thing is that she, well, this is important. I am not from a like big city in Costa Rica, you know. Mm-hmm. I am from like an hour and a half from the main city. Mm-hmm. So the only teacher that we had there uh, close to my house was a music teacher, very famous there, but she was teaching organ, not mm-hmm. piano. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, I was like, well, I can work with that. You know, I don't even know what it's a piano. I just <laughs> like my red little piano. You know? <laughs> so... So the thing is that um, we went, then when I was six, I remember that I was six because I was not in school yet. Um, and then I went to her house. I just loved her immediately. For me, she was like the most awesome, renowned concert pianist or organ or whatever that instrument was. Because, you know, an organ has two keyboards, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the upper and the lower and then pedal. So mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Um so that's how, and I have to uh, say this, she was very serious in theory, in versions and chords. Mm. Because if you are going to play organ, mostly, most of my music were kind of like lead sheets, you know, mm. with a melody, with the letters that at that point I didn't know what those there was. But then she started to explain me how you actually harmonize, do harmonizations. And I was sick, so I was like, she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this was all at six yeah that was well i mean that was between six and nine what then a strange when, way to start piano yeah. right <laughs> but you know my teach. well this is actually funny because then um when i was nine i completed the books so my my teacher my organ teacher she said like you know you have to do an audition on this school but this school is serious and I was like, wait, what? An audition? What? what? <laughs> so an audition? Um, and this school, it's a wonderful program that we have at the University of Costa Rica now, and as I type, the University of Costa Rica, <laughs> that is a pre-college piano program. So this piano, uh, pre-college, I mean, it is not only piano, it has different instruments. So you can go and piano and violin, but now we are talking about professors from the university, the School of Music, that teach in this piano pre-college program. So you have the auditions, and now you just play Chopin and Mozart and Beethoven, right? So, and I was teaching 
Uh, I, I was, um, I don't know, playing Cielito Lindo by this Mexican composer or you know what I'm saying? Like I was playing more popular music and um, this kind of music. So mm-hmm. she uh, talked with my mom and she said, I think that she can go and do the audition with, to this school. So I went and do the audition and that's when I remember one of the professors told me, asked me, wait Carla so you have nine years old do you know how to play the piano and you know what my answer was yes I do know how to play the piano and I was nine (laughs) I was like how I lost that confidence like then I was like in this decline of confidence so then I was nine and 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 he said okay so go ahead and play something I have no idea what I did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the thing is that I probably did something right because now I'm here so you know it was until my nine that I was nine that I actually started uh with piano <laughs> so I remember that I went into a remedial because <laughs> the thing is that um in piano you read in treble clef and bass clef mm-hmm. but because of my organ experience I was just in treble clef so I had this experience of three years in Oregon, and then the teacher says, like, well, um, I think that you have to, like, kind of, like, we have to go back. Mm. And so, and <laughs> what? I am behind already. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, no, but that's, yeah. it's kind of funny because you almost learned, like, the abstract theory of what should be happening. And then it was like, hey, just kidding. We do write all of this down for you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That was what happened. So, you know, I was kind of confused because, you know, it was more like my oral skills. And my teacher, she was so awesome. My, um, I mean, my older teachers, if you're here in your world, awesome too. Uh, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) my, my first teacher... Um, she was, as you said, uh, Seth, more abstract, more, more relying on oral skills. And I feel very fortunate about having that experience uh, because I kind of understood, um, okay, for example, the C major chord. And I remember her explaining me, oh, C major, okay, so these are the three friends that we need in a chord, C, E, G. But then they can have different customs. So they can appear in different ways. So, for example, you can play that chord, uh, taking the C and sending like all the way up. I can actually hear her explaining me in versions, you know. Mm. <laughs> so, and then when I went to the school, that it was a conservatory. Like in fact, it, it is called a conservatory. Uh, they are thinking already, kind of uh, change the name, and you know, because conservatory like European those times. Um, and we do right now uh, the program has evolved a lot so right now it's not such a conservatory like you know there's more improvisation and um, like more focusing on what right now uh, you really want to move on you know music so yeah um, I remember that when I start to actually see music scores piano music score with all this amount of notes I was like whoa so (laughs) you know this is just a way of represent what you do with your left hand and the pedals but now you have it in the music board (laughs) but i was behind so i needed to study very hard for my bass (laughs) clip 
<laughs> but 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 yeah, that that was kind of my beginnings. And then I started this program. I finished the program. And in that moment, that program was that uh, you needed to finish the program in order to go and do the audition for the School of Music. Now the one that you go to for undergrad studies. And yeah, I graduated from there. And then my master's and then my PhD uh, right now. So yeah. Did Livy or Adam, did you want to jump in with a question before my next thing or? Oh, you're good. Do so, you feel like starting with the organ gave you any, I guess you talked a little bit about, about things you had to learn extra when you mm -hmm. switched to piano, but do you feel like there were anything maybe more technique wise? Cause you talked about the oral skills as well. Hang on. Oh, I'm getting, I'm organizing my thoughts as I'm talking, mm -hmm. which is a bad plan, mm -hmm. but do you feel like there are any advantages technique wise that you got from the organ that then you could take to the piano by learning them in that order? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say that what was very uh, enriching and now I, I really try to imitate that is that I grew up with the idea of um, hearing the music and not, um, and, and having this, you know, more like a rose up approach to teaching. Mm -hmm. And having the confidence of um, taking a music and then kind of feel that I was kind of improvising, but I wasn't at all. Now, technique-wise, in, in, in the sense of actual performing and use of my hands and fingers, the sensation in the keyboard is very different in an organ than in a piano. Mm -hmm. So I right now kind of feel that maybe, maybe just maybe, because honestly, you know, every story is very different. Um, maybe if I would start with an instrument like directly the piano, maybe I could have start more faster to develop certain like motions and um, kind of have maybe a more healthy musicianship from the very beginning. So maybe I would experience maybe less uh, discomfort at the very beginning or maybe more flexibility with my fingers. But honestly, I am just thinking that that I in my case as a teacher and as a performer, I value a lot having that beginning in the sense of just oral experience and understanding music without that much on the actual, you know, the little details on your technique. But I would say that further than that, uh, the idea of understanding the music and the idea of, of really hearing and enjoying and feeling confident about it I just feel that, that that is a really strong start versus whereas if you start, for example, maybe in a program in from the very beginning, um, the way that you learn is like your teacher uh, or the person that is teaching you is very picky about like, don't move the finger like this or don't, or, you know, it's like more don't, 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 don't. Mm -hmm. And that can, I, I feel like that can actually very impact, impact a lot in your like in your relationship with the music and with the instrument you know yeah because so, you're so building all these say. negative things into it instead of here's all the positive things that you can do exactly exactly so right now i kind of my philosophy is like kind of like again meeting halfway so well i don't teach organ and <laughs> not a lot of people know uh know about my organ path <laughs> they just know they just know that I started nine 
the conservatory. <laughs> you see, we've so, got an exclusive now. <laughs> yeah, you got the exclusive. So breaking news. They were behind it. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but that's what I would say. So right now I kind of meet halfway on, okay, this is your instrument. I spent a lot of time um, experiencing uh, and kind of building confidence and letting the student or the person, the little person or the teenager or the adult to actually have a re build a relationship with the instrument. And from there, I kind of wait for what is the amount of the expectations or the process or um, actually do I want to invest a lot of time practicing or I don't. You know, I kind of hear what is the, the level of energy that this person wants to put in the instrument and then I start to work from there, kind of moving their uh, interest and motivation to a to a places that they want, you know, um, and working on technique. But a lot, a lot of Bruce, um, Bruce teaching. So, for example, little kids, um, they, you know, if they start to, from the very beginning, they will just play C, D, F a lot, you know, like little simple things. It's very easy that they will get very bored at some point. They will be like, this is too much effort. <laughs> so that's when I forget about that. I combine it with actually, let me show you how to do this. And then by imitation, they learn to play pieces that they cannot actually read. Mm -hmm. But that compensates in a way, uh, the way that they feel that they can show up to their friends, you know, show off. <laughs> um, so you know it's like kind of like that needs half uh experience but yeah i would say that it is pretty odd starting with organ and then having that experience and then um starting the piano at nine and then kind of going into a remedial and then start with you know these sonatinas by clementi and there's these little preludes by bach and that kind of thing it was kind of a switch but I feel like I just had the right start with the, like a, that very strong start with this is how music, this is how you feel, this is how you play with the music. You can mess up, um, you can you can combine sounds, you can. So I feel like that was very positive in my very personal uh, journey. I would say. Yeah. So. Speaking of like the little um, Clementi and preludes by Bach and other things like that, did you? What was I guess kind of rep like when you were getting into the conservatory or even into your university studies? Mm -hmm. um, so when I started, I remember that I, you know, I went into this transition between reading lead sheets and completing chords and playing with all these uh, left-hand patterns that, you know, you do when you are playing organ through just reading, you know, and play what you have in the music score. And that's it. And, and, and go over the polls and all of this. So that was kind of a transition for me because I was like, okay, these are the notes. And I was kind of like, but then you don't like do more, you know? And I do remember, I do remember that I really like the sound of the music. So when I received my first Clementi Sonatina, that that was like a year after I started the music conservatory, 
I was like, oh, this is very, this is actually very different, but I really enjoy it. And mm -hmm. it was quite of a challenge that mm -hmm. I am going to learn this. No matter what, I am going to learn this. So it was, I just kind of feel that I needed different skills because I needed to like kind of push myself more into spending more time with just one piece. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With the organ, I feel like I was I was just doing several pieces every week and moving mm -hmm. very fast. And now I needed to pull all these other kind of skills that you will spend a semester with these four pieces. So, but but I did it. I really enjoyed them. I really enjoyed the sounds. The language was the language was very um, different. When I say the language, I I don't want to use the word language, but um, kind of the way that they were written, they were very different. But, but yeah, because mm -hmm. you're you're com so when you say like it was different, you mean it was different than the organ music that you were playing. Absolutely. And were you Absolutely. playing more like um, hymns or pieces for church? Or what were you playing on organ? On organ? Oh, yeah. Um, so in organ, it's funny because it was, you know, most of the piano methods and organs, they come from here, from the United States. Mm -hmm. So we have a big influence on what you know. And for example, one I remember most of my methods that I use for the organ, most of the little pieces they said at the top, traditional music and I remember that I asked my teacher traditional music so what that means and she said that it's like you know they are very famous you are familiar with that and I'm like okay yeah I mean yeah so I start to get familiar and that's what happens with, with when you are from Costa Rica and from other countries you know uh, the amount of influence that you receive uh, from the piano methods from in fact, everywhere, right? Like, whatever, like trending marks, trending products, whatever happens, mm -hmm. um, you receive all this influence. So, so to answer your question, yeah, it was a lot of hymns, but a lot of um, like very familiar tunes yeah. that were, for example, from famous composer, but also from Latin American countries. Mm -hmm. So it was music that it was some of the pieces my dad they were familiar with because they were default singers you know, but mm -hmm. they were like, like their mind were blown because it's like, <laughs> oh, you are, you are playing this tune. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it's very cool. Um, but then also very familiar uh, things like um, cartoons, you know, kind of tunes and, and, you know, like things that you kind of hear in the TV. Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. when you move on in uh, this traditional music, but American traditional music. So, for example, for me, go tell it in the on the mountain. That was traditional for me. Like, but <laughs> but I I really didn't know, you know. Yeah. Um, and then when I moved to the conservatory, that's when I get into this world that uh, is center, 17th, you know, 18th century, 19th century composers, mm -hmm. and they're romantic. And then Bach, who was Bach, and and this kind of things. I feel that because I kind of had this very beginning, I was moving fast in the actual reading of the music, but I feel like I miss the actual theory behind, you know? Um, and because I kind of was reading 
and playing it, but I didn't receive, I, I feel like because that was such a, you know, change from inversion to now what happened in a little prelude by Bach, Mm-hmm. That was kind of a big jump for me because I wasn't actually fully understanding what I was doing. And I felt like at some point I was like, but what is this chord? What is, <laughs> what is going on here? I have no idea why I'm mm-hmm. the major and I have B flat and B flat. And so that was kind of hard. And I didn't ask, you know, because you just go ahead and play like, right? Um, well, this is what and... you gotta do. But I missed that. A lot. I feel like I miss it a lot. Well, so like I, I talked to my sixth graders the other day about this because like we have played on their band instruments, basically the chromatic scale and a half from like F to B flat. And they have the skills to do this. But then we would pull out like a piece of music and I'm like, hey, let's try playing this. And we've worked on rhythms and other things before. And it was like, guys you you can play all these notes you you know all of these rhythms like mm-hmm. what's the hang up and it really was just like but we're not used to really looking at that note on the music before and it sounds like that was a similar hang up of like you knew how to play inversions and other things arpeggios probably and other things like that but just like mm-hmm. looking at it and understanding like oh that's the skill that's associated with that absolutely absolutely in that in a way influence now my teaching philosophy in a way. So I make sure that when I I am advancing, when, when the student is advancing in, in, in her skills, they are close to um, the knowledge of actually what is going on in the music score. Because I feel that if you don't actually understand how do you are going to embrace the music? You know, how do I show, how, how do you actually are going to own the music and make it yourself? So, you know, teachers at some point, they'll tell you, like, play this, like, it is just so easy, and, like, it's just, like, whatever. But, dude, it's not whatever. Like, I have no idea what's going on. So I really make sure that, like, from the very beginning, that's what I strive, right? Because it's not, like, um, like easy peasy, right? And and I don't know all the ways and the strategies. But I, I really try to, to make sure that if we are going to do C, G, and C, and F, there's like I will find whatever word or whatever example of whatever thing to make sure that 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 this little person or what teenager adult is really understanding what mm-hmm. is going on and 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 don't and trying to not rely a lot on the saying that music is a universal language you know because it's just this is just a matter of expression it is not like understanding like masses and like you know like doing this kind of examples because i really do believe that music is like a like a human being or a person it, it should be organic so to make it to make it breathe to make it like a person that actually speaks and feel and everything i i do think that you have to understand and whatever that's the means right it is not right. tonic and dominant and subdominant that is not the only way or any a way to explain things but i do think that that i in my personal case i feel that i miss that and i kind of compensate now that i understand a little bit more to really thinking okay this is this rack by uh Volcom. what is this word oh my gosh so i i really spend time understanding and knowing and trying to really fully grasp what is going on in the music 
I feel like sometimes as teachers, we wait until, I don't know, they are older. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe that. I really believe that since day one, there are are ways that you can actually make sense of the music in a meaningful way. Or at least that's what I, I believe. Well, so extending off of that, one of the questions that I was interested in in that kind of performance realm was like, especially with piano rep from the common practice era and in that European like area, there's the pieces have been around for hundreds of years at this point and they've been played hundreds of times. And so there is a performance history of this is how this piece has been played. Like uh, Rubinstein played it one way, then um, another famous pianist played it this way. And like you have a track of this is what happened. So mm-hmm. whether it's working with a you know young person or somebody who's more college age, when you're looking at a piece, are you focused on the historical like this is how we would have played it or this is how whatever artist played it? Or are mm-hmm. you asking them to embrace more of that like theoretical side and say, well, look at all the things that are happening here. Let's make these choices based on that. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very interesting question. I would say that I do both approaches, but I don't approach in, I, I carefully, very carefully select my, my the, the way that I am going to explain explain things. Because I don't want to also plant seeds in the sense mm-hmm. that this is how we have to supposed to play this. Or this is how you have to play this. No, there's no way to have, there's no one perfect and unique way, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, there are conventions. And these conventions, uh, technique-wise or histori- historical, so the way that usually I approach initially is sound. So that, that, that's usually my first approach. So, for example, something very particular, particular about the piano, and I learned that with my master, uh, the professor that I had in my master's, is how piano is an orchestra in itself. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I kind of kick off the imagination in the sense that it's just not or 10 fingers trying to do uh, 10 sounds or yeah or more sounds at the same time. Is what are the instruments that are here orchestrating to make this music happen? Now, this orchestra, uh, when we were in the Baroque era, these are these were some of the instruments that we had in that time. So let's listen a little bit of that, and then how we can actually imitate or kind of shape the sound, but not because we have to, but it's just because we had we want to. Uh, make sure that, for example, in that moment, if it is a Bach, we didn't have a very powerful pedal. We didn't have a pedal at all. Mm-hmm. However, um, however, it doesn't mean that we are not going to use it. We can, I bet. And I always say, like, well, I don't know, maybe I am talking for Bach and I don't want to do that. I, don't want, I want to sleep well, but I'm he, sure. Well, he can't that, hear you. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Adam said, um, can you sign something? Or, you know? <laughs> um, so, so the thing is that um, 
if Bach wouldn't have a piano that has this powerful pedal that takes all the strings, would he have used it? I don't know. That's I bet. I bet that this is going to be very probably controversial in a theory conference, but I don't know. But I would say that yes. I mean, I would say like probably yes. So, mm -hmm. so you know, it's it's the way that I frame these conventions and these um, historical, um, I would say, ways of approach of, of technique approach. Now, something that is very important is provide context on what on, for example, this piece. What was before that and how this, for example, in a way evolved. And I also kind of explain of how, um, for example, right now we know, okay, Baroque, well, before that, the Renaissance, and you know, uh, but then, and then we know classic and then romantic and then uh, modern, modern means, oh, 20th century, whatever you call it. But Bach, when he was composing, he, he was not thinking like, I am in the Baroque era, you know? He was like, this is the kind of boundaries that then they they were set up. So I kind of make and highlight that kind of little things that happen around and that then make musicologies and people that study a lot these, what were some of these boundaries or things that they found on how the music and the instruments start to evolve. And that's how I approach it. So to answer, I don't know if I am answering your questions, but it's just like both approaches, the, historic, yeah. the historical one and then the technical one, but from a, from a way that it starts with the sound. Mm -hmm. Not like, this is the staccato that we do in the Baroque because that's how you do it. It's just like, okay, maybe we would like this staccato, maybe this tenuto because you know, the strings, we want a string there. We want a, 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 you know, a very, a very strong clave or whatever instrument you were thinking. Uh, we want that, and we want to orchestrate that with our fingers. So I have found that that is kind of powerful because it just like kick off this creativity, like wise imagination, instead of oh my gosh, I am playing this, but this is not Baroque playing. This is so awful, you know? Um, so I kind of <laughs> like take out that idea, but just as a matter of approaching for sound from these um, parameters. So yeah, did I answer your question? I don't know. No, I think you did a great job because <laughs> like that wasn't even necessarily uh, an answer that I was thinking of. And I, I think it's cool that that's how you approach it, that mm -hmm. it's more about, okay, if we were trying to imitate the sounds of this, not necessarily an exact reproduction of what they did mm -hmm. in 1750, but, okay, what would it have kind of been like? Can I bring that sound to life on, you know, this modern piano that I have? Absolutely. You know, or, okay, what was somebody trying to do on the piano in 1860 you know mm -hmm. okay how can i bring that out of this piano that i have in front of me now that you know has digital synthesizers built into it that i could you know change all kinds of sounds that they wouldn't have had available absolutely back then. absolutely absolutely and in fact you know all all this is informed like we don't have recordings from well Maybe you know this better. I don't want to like say something that is not true, but do we have recordings from the 17th century? <laughs> is there actual, you know, like there's 
No, right? Like, no. So most <laughs> no. of these, Not that we know of. of these, <laughs> no. uh, most of these are just informed, very informed things mm-hmm. from the actual um, very heavy research on music scores that has survived and other like draws and like paintings and that kind of things. So I don't really want to have someone approaching an instrument and feeling this is the music of water. You know what I'm, you know what I'm thinking? Yeah. Like, it's not like this is, this is the music and we have to kind of like respect how they like, like beat it and because we don't actually completely know. We can be totally wrong, you know, we can be totally like right now, Bach can be like, oh my gosh, like you have no idea. Like, you have been playing my prelude and you, and you have no idea. That is not the way. And probably also Mozart and Beethoven and all those composers so famous. It, I mean, that will be funny that this will be the episode of Bombshells of like, yeah, all those reviews that we've based how music should have sounded from yeah. the 17th, they were hyperbolic. They lied. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I makes me think. I, yeah, go go go. Uh, as like a theory example, it just I had uh, like a similar realization thinking about how, like all the serial and atonal composers, they we didn't develop like analysis for, for serial music that turned the pitches into numbers until like the fifties or sixties. And so then it's like, well, no, Schoenberg wouldn't have been thinking about like, a, oh, and I'll, I'll slap a, like a 037 right here. And then maybe, you know, I'll use like a, like a, a one, two, like, you know, a zero one dyad right here. That wasn't, that wasn't how he was thinking about it. He was just writing the music. Um, yeah. It, it's similar, the, but the, the, you're talking more performance. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, because yeah, the other performance, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And the thing is that I, I, the first time that I heard that from, um, because that's kind of this question that you um, asked me, Seth, uh, one of the professors from one of the history classes that I was taking, she made us this, this question in a forum, uh, you know, like a, a Moodle thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I answered like, yeah, there are historical conventions and blah, 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 blah. And then she said like, well, but I guess you're referring to the, references that we have not actually for for example like the 12th century or the 11th century because we what we have is actually like an approach or what maybe they know that they were doing the things and that was for me like oh my gosh that that is so true that well, is so so it's true. like in music history class when they're like hey let's listen to this 15th century motet to understand it's like yeah but that's somebody from <laughs> 2000 singing that so is that really how that would have sounded exactly and i feel like i feel like you can actually share this kind of thing since the very first piano class you know or first very little class in whatever you can actually like not in this you know like language and because they will be like wait wow this person is crazy i just want to play you know Um, (laughs) but you know like like really you know how the kids are like what is going on i don't need to wave my fingers um, but you know, in the way that you frame and actually introduce concepts that are that you know that are going to be critical at some point, and that uh, it's going to really frame a mindset. Uh, I feel like we, our generation, has the responsibility. You know, and I say our generation because right now we are in this position of actually having um, little persons in front of us, so we can really influence 
how how they conceive and how they understand the music of these composers uh, that as you said Seth has been played so much like so so much and in so many different ways in interpretations and in piano there are so many renowned pianists that you can find recording in mm-hmm. it's funny how the other day I was in my piano lesson and Professor Deloney said something like, uh, you know, this is how Rubenstein do this. But, you know, we don't have to necessarily do it like that. We can do it like this. And I was thinking like, well, but Rubenstein can do whatever he wants. You know? <laughs> but then I was thinking like, well, but I can do whatever I want to. I mean, I am not going to be doing tourists, like tourists around here or whatever. But I can actually, from my little bubble of whatever I am doing, I can do whatever I want, and but for me it's very important to like actually always have a reference. Like I am going to be careful about the historical conventions and the. But from this approach, from the orchestra and the instruments that we had at the time, and how we in the piano, we are going to actually try to convey that kind of sound. Like, make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seth, that motet yeah. example is really good because the other thing is that nobody knows what a motet is. You know, that was an important part of my graduate music history studies, and I don't know that at the moment I could pass that motet like quiz the or motets test are again. So controversial, controversial, right? Like I have, I have seen like presentations or lectures on motets, and they can be so controversial. Isn't it like like how how for example like the voices and how you manage yeah. like. Were, were we having a conception of chords or not? Or maybe just independent voices? Or Everybody <laughs> who tried to tell me what a motet is tells me that the distinctions between the different centuries of motet are huge and controversial and like a gigantic deal. And the people fought battles over how these motets should go. And then they explained it to them. And it's the tiniest, littlest differences between the different time periods. I... Oh, I don't understand. Yeah, and sometimes overlap, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like most of the time overlap. Mm-hmm. Well, so. yeah, because what they started doing in like Italy was different than what they were doing over in France around that time. Exactly. You know. So maybe even in Costa Rica, maybe we had wonderful moments and nobody knows about them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if we have it. I have no idea. Yeah. Um. Does I have like kind of one other area or topic to cover? Did anybody else have any other questions? Um, I was curious about something. It's kind of going back a little bit to what we were talking about before. Um, we've we've ventured away since then, so I'm trying to remember my exact question. Um, oh, so with your experience um, going into the conservatory environment at nine. And that was sort of your pre-college experience. Um, Did you notice, have you noticed a difference between your experience growing up and getting into music in Costa Rica versus the students you encounter in the U.S.? Just And where my mind's kind of going is just um, as a theorist, I just kind of go to our relationship with theory, which you had said how you've noticed that we kind of seem to start kids like down the theory track later where it could be much earlier and i i just know that because um seth and i both come from a band music education background i did that for my bachelor's Mm -hmm. and just speaking from my own experience um most of the 
kids that I was in band with, that I went to college with, and that I've interacted with as a teacher, they don't get a lot of theory until they get to college. Mm -hmm. And so we keep it pretty separate from like, you learn your instrument and then you go to college and you learn theory and everything else. And I just wondered if you had noticed Mm -hmm. any sort of distinctions between Mm -hmm. the way we do it here and maybe your own experience in Costa Rica. Definitely, that's a wonderful question. Um, I think that, uh, well, the program that I uh, was this piano pre-college program, I mean, I keep saying piano pre-college, this music pre-college mm-hmm. program, you know, so mm-hmm. Piano Center, um, they have the, they have uh, several classes that you needed to take. So I was in piano, I was enrolled in choir, mm-hmm. and I was also enrolled in theory. Mm-hmm. So I needed to take all these three classes. So that that's a, a, a very like um, great idea in the sense mm-hmm. that you know you are you are growing up with your instrument lesson, with your theory lesson, lesson, and then a choir. Yeah. Or it can then be an ensemble. So it's like a well very well round mm-hmm. uh, curriculum. However, not most of the time you are prepared or maybe the professor from theory make the connection with the instrument. Mm, so although okay. maybe I had the experience of being exposed to theory concepts early on, maybe not mm-hmm. you, I wasn't necessarily doing the connection. Gotcha. And that was, and this kind of reinforced what I was saying about when you are teaching, you have to provide context. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's like, you don't do a connection by magically, you know, like clicking. It's like, yeah. oh, that's why my theory teacher said. No, that that's <laughs> like that is not how it works. You know, yeah. uh, we all have different like um, process learning processes. So so yeah, from what I see here is that um, well, at least here in Louisiana, which mm-hmm. is my my main experience, I haven't seen a program that it it comes from by university from mm-hmm. a state university that is uh, that attends pre-college students mm-hmm. and I feel that that is very fortunate that we have it in Costa Rica because you know not most of the people that are enrolled in this program they are going to be musicians mm-hmm. but in a way you're having these children and teenagers that have this separate school in which they have friends, in which they have a sense of identity. I grew up there. Mm-hmm. My friends were mainly from the conservatory mm-hmm. because in high school or, well, high school I'm saying like elemental. In Costa Rica, we just have like a school or, mm-hmm. or you know, we call high school the entire thing from seventh mm-hmm. grade to, um, okay. to 12. Gotcha. Um, so basically, most of my friends, I grew up with them. Mm-hmm. And having these transitions of going to elementary and then middle school and then high school. And mm-hmm. um, and when I was actually in my academic uh, high school, I was this weird person that never can go to any party or any anything because it's either always in rehearsals or <laughs> practicing or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it's like uh, that kind of thing that I have observed that are different and I feel like like United States would like as a whole would benefit a lot of having Mm -hmm. these schools being run not privately actually like a a community outreach you know Mm -hmm. having these schools in which you can go 
Here, Luciana, you have a kids orchestra, for example. I would say that it's a similar idea. However, mm -hmm. I think that um, in, in the case of Costa Rica and this program from the, from the University of Costa Rica, um, it's more conservatory-like. So if mm -hmm. you are very, if you start to be very serious about it, you are having the training and the means. So then you can actually go and do the audition. Mm -hmm. You cannot actually think when you are 18 years old, oh, I want to be a pianist, mm -hmm. you know? So in a way, also, it kind of gives you most people some degree of opportunity and chance because, you know, private lessons are very expensive. And in Definitely. a way, the person that at the end here at the United States can actually make auditions for programs, they are from privileged communities right. that has yeah. the means and the economical means to pay all these studio classes. That's in Costa Rica, point. no. In Costa Rica, you just go to this school and you can have a scholarship if you really cannot pay it. Mm -hmm. But what you have to pay right now, for example, if I translate it in dollars, it would be something like $80 the entire semester, the entire wow. semester. Yeah. And you can apply for scholarships. And if you just apply, you will have it. Like really, <laughs> you will have, you just go and fill out the form. That's all what you have to do. So that's something that I feel like um, here, I don't know a program like that, but I know, mm -hmm. I mean, United States is so big. But I don't, I don't know here in Louisiana program like that, and I feel that that um, that can really uh, make a difference. No, I so, think yeah, you're. I, was, yeah. I think you're totally right that that I have never encountered a program like that either. If I had to think, I, I maybe there's some in like very large cities, like you know, like New York, where the arts are so <laughs> massive and everything, but. Like I'm from well, Tennessee and never heard of anything like that there. So mm -hmm. at least I think in the South, I can't yeah. think of anything that's yeah, conservatory like mm -hmm. in they, the same like completely comprehensive sort of completely all encompassing that's the word way. Comprehensive, mm -hmm. yeah. They they try some like charter schools occasionally where it's mm -hmm. like a math science arts academy where it's supposed to be more focused on that and you're getting more arts exposure during the day when you're at school mm -hmm. but even like even that it's still like okay but you got to fit in your math class your english class your science class your Absolutely. social studies class and so Absolutely. it's not really the same as like okay you're getting a instrument lesson and you're getting a theory class mm -hmm. and you've got another ensemble class to yeah. understand what it's like mm -hmm. being in a group Absolutely, absolutely. And I remember, for example, in this uh, in this uh, pre-college program, at some point, you need to uh, take, for example, music appreciation. But what is funny is that depending, if you are in the elemental level, they will give you music appreciation, but for elemental level. So, But then you move to a, when you are in the kind of intermediate, intermediate level. And then you take the advanced one. And mm -hmm. then usually the advanced one is when you are very sure that maybe you will actually make the piano your life. Mm -hmm. So for example, in my case, I started when I was nine and I decided that I really wanted to play the piano and, and do the audition for college when I was 16 mm -hmm. or 17 or something like that. I wasn't, I was just going to piano and, and choir and I have all my friends 
and I was putting at some point, you know, what was the realization that I was spending more time in practicing piano that I was spending in any other academic activity. Mm -hmm. So I started to realize how my schedule was completely around my music classes. And then I was, I, I had this kind of like understanding that when I had the exams for my academic, you know, the high school, I needed to start uh, studying like half a week before the exams and very intense and like just kind of like memorizing and taking everything and just trying to repeat it. And then I needed to be the day of the exam and I needed to start at 8 a.m., write down everything. And then I suddenly, I just forgot everything. Um, but I was, you know, it's it just was that, that moment in which I realized, okay, you're spending so many time in piano. Why is that? So that's when, when I realized. And for me, being not from the capital, for example, um, this conservatory school was like half hour from where, no, mm. less, like 20 minutes. Because the University of Costa Rica has little different branches, right? Oh. Um, and this one was specifically very close to my home. It was 20 minutes from there. So I had the chance to have that experience and that learning, uh, that training mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have uh, if, for example, my car, my dad and my mom needed to drive me mm -hmm. every week, three times a week. And driving right. one hour and a half or two hours because of traffic. Yeah, you know? definitely. So, so yeah, this is ended up like in another whole story. But but you see, that's what you said at the very beginning. Uh, but but I think that um, it's related with your question, Lily, about yeah. um, about the differences that I actually can see mm -hmm. uh, from from the United States and, and, and in Costa Rica regarding these programs, at least. Mm -hmm. Well, and like. Something that I thought of um, while you were bringing that up is uh, when we were talking about music theory, pedagogy, and graduate school, one of the topics that comes up is should like the music theory teacher be responsible for trying to relate it to everything and teach more all-inclusive or should you teach like okay, I'm focused exclusively on this and the piano teacher is going to focus exclusively on this. And so sometimes it feels like when you have private lessons here that, okay, you see students once a week, sometimes for as little as 30 minutes, it's, it is like, okay, how am I trying to teach you just how to play this on piano or Am I trying to incorporate all of these theory and aural skills into what we're doing on top of, like you were saying, just music literature, music rep from around the world and historical, like here's other things that are happening. And then sometimes when you try to do that, you could have a parent that's frustrated because it's like, well, what'd you do in lessons today? Well, we listen to music from India because they should be exposed <laughs> yes. to world music yes. and and it's like, well, why didn't they play the piano? It's like, well, <laughs> this is important that's too. Definitely. And that's another great question. Um, but it's when this is related with uh, if you consider music in a very utilitarian way. So I that's something that I have noticed a lot, that if I am paying you, for example, to 
put my children to play piano, I want them to play piano. But I do think that right now, most of the piano methods, and I'm talking about piano methods because that's what I know, um, most of them have different books. So for example, they have the theory book and then they have the rep book and then they have the lesson book. So there is an effort. Mm-hmm. But I to, to make uh, a more comprehensive curriculum, as Livy said. But I would say that at the end, it's a matter of your philosophy as a teacher. So what is what is it that I really want you to teach you? And that's for me something that you have to be very clear with your parents. What is your philosophy? What is your approach? Mm-hmm. And how do you conceive uh, your curriculum in the way that you really want to teach? this person and if maybe we are not a good fit maybe maybe I can recommend you another person you know but mm-hmm. I do understand that it's a big challenge because when you are at the, uh, starting when you're just beginning you cannot just say like no no you're no you know yeah. everyone right right and that's okay and that's okay you should like well we are going to teach um as many students as you can. But I think that it's very important to be honest with yourself about what is your philosophy. And that's also related on how I feel like it was very important for me to do a PhD because I really wanted to know what was my philosophy. I feel that I wasn't clear on that. And I am still not. Like, I am still not completely clear, but I don't think that you will have a complete, uh, you know, like you, you will find like, this is my philosophy. Now I figure it out. I think that that is just a learning, like life, longer process but related with your other question about the theory teacher and then the instrument teacher I would say that even as a theory teacher it's very important again to provide context so if you do have a students that are piano or violin or guitar um, I think that's very important to put the concepts that you are teaching in context mm-hmm. so I think that's very important and also for the piano teacher also bring out during classes. Okay, make sure that you know what is this key signature. But what, why do I need to know what is the key signature, you know? It is just mm-hmm. not like four charts, E major. No, that doesn't give me any information at all. Why do we need to know that this is an E major music? Or maybe mm-hmm. if your philosophy is like, it doesn't matter. Well, make sure maybe to communicate. Um, why do you think, because maybe you have your reasons, right? So you are not going to say like, well, it doesn't matter what key we are, but I'm sure that you have maybe uh, another way of thinking and maybe, you know, like be just being honest about it. So I think that's a matter of the both teachers, you know, and like actually just mm-hmm. providing, at the end, it's a matter of providing context, providing um, if we are studying right now key signatures, well, how about if you show me your music scores, the ones that you are right now studying, let's check what are the actually sharps or flats that you have there you know instead of like okay for next week let's memorize uh, all the sharps the order and then i will test you out on writing down f c g d and that i'm a stop of sharps and flats um everywhere so i think that's a matter of the both teachers or every teacher involved provide con- context that's what i would I, I think that's what at the end makes the music more meaningful because if then again we have this professor teaching me this and then I have this other teaching me that well but 
like how they are connected you know yeah and this doesn't happen magically like well, really I think. and i kind of the theme of like things that you've said i think it's important not like this is how you do this and telling somebody this is how this is done but giving everybody this is why this might be done uh, explaining yes. that context that you're saying of like okay, th this person played this piece this way. This is why they chose to do that. Or, you know, we see this key signature. Okay, well, here's why that might matter. But Exactly, exactly, know. exactly. Like sharing your why, sharing your why, and making sure that you are not imposing your why too. This is so hard, you know, people. When I am starting, when I am studying, I am like, oh my gosh, this is actually like very hard uh, to not actually like impose your why. <laughs> right because you can sound like well the thing is that this is the why and i do believe so hard on this that this this is said but in in but no like the reality is that no this is this is your why so mm -hmm. if i can let me explain your your why and i am thinking out loud and i'm sharing this because i when, when i am talking i feel like so secure about what i'm saying but most of the time i am not you know have you heard this imposter syndrome well mm -hmm. i suffer that sometimes a lot i am like okay white people believe me no don't believe me <laughs> <laughs> don't trust me so it's quite of a journey yeah. uh, in that sense because I, I i i just share my thoughts and i i spend a lot of time like thinking and making sure that I'm just not going to plant plant seeds. But in a way, there's no way that you're not going to do it. Like all your body, your voice, your body language, everything talks. Yeah. So even just very casual things that you say that talks too. So so yeah, it, it's it's a lifetime challenge. And being a teacher, like all of us here, that is just a lifetime uh learning process i would say mm -hmm. yeah but yeah so uh kind of branching off of that imposter syndrome this is kind of mm -hmm. a good launching point to this last question of when you've written articles or you've given presentations you've made a poster for a conference whatever it might be how does music theory the skills or the analysis how do, has that impacted that that side of things and maybe even getting into the imposter side of things of like that feeling of like i don't know if what i'm saying about this piece you know makes sense or is on the same level with other peers yeah that's a wonderful question the thing is that most of whatever i am going to present this is not necessarily um related with theory I, I will explain myself. For example, the research, my research topic right now is related with interest development as a variable of motivation. Hmm. So, so I went, I just found, I, I'm like, I just found myself very interested in motivation, but you know, motivation is just so broad. Mm -hmm. That is just like everybody studying motivation because everyone, all of us wants to feel motivated. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that that's just so broad you know, like very often. 
So I found that one of the uh, variables that influence a lot and that you can actually really be critical as a teacher is influencing the interest development. And then I found this wonderful article that talks that interest development has different phases. So has four phases. So maybe um, when you have a student that loves your classes and that loves your, oh, they are so happy when they are with you, but then they are not going to practice. There's no way, there's no sticker or chocolate or whatever you do that they <laughs> will practice outside of your class. Well, there is an explanation of that. They are in the first phase of interest development, which is very situational. And then you have all these four. So what I am going to do is a research study regarding how do you actually understand in the piano pedagogy context all these phases, which as I said, you have four, and how do you then can actually move them a little bit and influence to maybe go from a situational to a more uh, individual interest. So... Um, I am not very related with theory in my presentation, theory per se, you know, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, like analysis, right. but when that, that is my dissertation and what I am, I start working next year. However, when I am, for example, doing a lecture recital about, uh, a set of pieces, a set of, uh, musical works that I want to teach and how I am going to approach it. I will probably, probably start by taking this and what is the, the, the functional harmony that we have and what are some potential concepts that we can teach from there. You know, that will be probably that for sure will be in any presentation. And in fact, it's very interesting because when I did uh, the master's lecture recital, it was about tone quality and and, and it was related with one of your first, very first questions on how the tone quality has been changing depending on if you were in the Baroque era. What is this tone quality that you want to approach or uh, that you want to convey? Or if you were more Debussy-like, you know? Mm -hmm. So then I talk about that tone quality in different eras and then I play the recital. So, so um, related with my imposter syndrome, what I just do is that I just keep working, keep reading, and praying for the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's all what at the end I can uh, do. And yeah, one of my nightmares related with what Adam was saying at the very beginning uh, in being in a conference is like, um, well, have you read this article that it just went out in Elsevier two hours ago? And then I was be like, well, no, I didn't check that. <laughs> or, you know, because it's like, this is just like uh, being in a PhD program, what you have to supposed to do. This is so big. Like I'm like, okay, no, I'm not ready to be a doctor. If that you are going to um, share something with the community, that has never been done or shared. Mm -hmm. You know, you are you are providing something new. Mm -hmm. And that is just quite a big responsibility in the sense that how do you are going to actually read the entire whole papers in the world? Mm -hmm. I feel that maybe then all times, maybe it was easier because I mean, you just went to, you needed to read your entire library. That was just always like, you know, or maybe wait for papers. But right now it's like you have it all of, like everything in front of you, you have access. So mm -hmm. it's like, 
how do I am going to actually do that? There's no way. I'm sure there's someone somewhere right now probably working on the same topics. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's quite a responsibility. Yeah. So it will depend uh, the use of theory. It will depend on what I am going to, what is the, the approach that I am going to do? Do I am going to do more a lecture recital, piano pedagogy approach? For sure, I will use theory. theory or uh, right now in my dissertation, it will be more kind of like um, psychology side of it, plus yeah. also music education side of it, plus also piano pedagogy skills in um of course uh, the methodology will be a qualitative research so then there's this other story about how you approach and analyze qualitative uh research so yeah and it's it's i mean your topic sounds super interesting and like the three of us all are really interested in theory pedagogy and i feel like kind of in general like music pedagogy across the board, a lot of it can be related to each other. So I feel Definitely. like your piano po pedagogy research could certainly, and like the motivation of piano students can be related to the way we motivate our students in our oral skills classes and in our theory Definitely. classes. It's all, Definitely. it's all psychology. And so it, yeah. it cannot be related, even if it's not based in theory. I think that what you're talking about could absolutely be related to theory pedagogy. And it sounds yeah, super and interesting. That's, that's how I kind of want to frame it. But you know how easy it is to feel like, why don't believe me? Like, Libby, why do you think that this is interesting? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but because the thing is that I, and that is most of the work of being a PhD student, you don't actually know what you're doing, you're just doing. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that person like me, I just want to take all opportunities. And what I am kind of learning is that you need to learn to let past mm -hmm. things. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. you don't have to take every opportunity right. because you are going to kill yourself. Yeah. So for example, after my, my generals that they were just in past September, that is just an insane academic uh, rehearse. I was writing 10 hours every day mm. non-stop and then you get in this moment in which you are so away from the world you know so then you are back in the world when you are out of the library and you're like wow <laughs> how do i work like you know you feel like you're floating like in this world and you're like oh my gosh no this is insane and i feel privileged because my i live with my um husband here and he's also mm -hmm. a PhD student in chemical engineering mm -hmm. so so we kind of like uh, give us a little bit of uh we ground ourselves between us like yeah. in the sense that uh okay yeah you're hot you're fine you know you're fine yeah. you can eat you can eat you know um but it can get very overwhelming so mm -hmm. right now I am kind of being like really take this time that I am not actually working on my dissertation because I will start next year mm -hmm. um to really like, okay, let's just have some time for yourself, mm -hmm. do exercise, do your work, which is already very busy, but it's mm -hmm. not it's not being overwhelming, like very overwhelming. It's just like I just go and teach and I just go to take my classes, I practice piano, and mm -hmm. then I blah, blah, blah. But that's it. Like, right. I have to be very wise about that and let opportunity, like, yeah, no, never mind. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, 
thank you so much, Carla, for talking with us. It's been a pleasure. This was great. Um, is there anything you need to let people know about, like to find you on Facebook or you've got a cool conference coming up or something other than becoming no, yeah. a doctor in the near future? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, thank you so much, all of you. It has been such a pleasure to spend this what half an hour oh no wait hour and a half yeah <laughs> it, felt, it felt like a half an hour like it was very it was um, great very yeah it was very special um i don't have a website right now that i can direct you but i will work on that probably soon um once i get my doctorate <laughs> and i can resume my other life yeah uh, things <laughs> but um I, I just want to reinforce what I was saying. If you are out there hearing this, you're a piano music teacher or even just a teacher, just whatever general um, subject you're teaching, always provide context and mm. hear what your students are saying and use the, their words and kind of like really hear where they where these words are coming from because our reality is not anyone's everyone's reality. So sometimes some reactions, behaviors come from different places. So really listen, listen to your, to your little, little ones or teenagers or students and provide context, please. <laughs> That's how we, um, we can actually make a difference by not just teaching concepts and asking people to do things or memorize things. It's just actually a learning experience. That's a fantastic I just want to reinforce. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much. And again, well, not again, but please go listen to Adam's podcast, The Bond We Share. The first couple uh, of episodes yeah. are out. Did you need to new, give a bigger plug? Well, I, I just started a new podcast with my friend where we talk about James Bond movies. It's a lot uh, less pressure than this one because I don't have to feel like a smart person or like I'm providing <laughs> anything to a community. I just get to say stuff about bad movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't either, so I mean. <laughs> we are in the same boat here. Thank you guys so much. See you next time.